want you to go with me in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I have ministered out of this verse, but I felt God bring it alive, afresh. And I want to share with you just several keys, several things, uh, several points I want you to consider just out of two or three verses. Okay, and it says here, uh, verse, we'll start it up in verse um, 1. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke unto me, and we compassed or went around Mount Seir many days. And then the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have gone around this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Here's the first thing. We need to position ourselves to hear God speak. The Lord spoke to me. God still speaks to people, and he speaks to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to put direction into your life, wants to put direction into each of our lives. As we exit one year and come into another year, it's a great opportunity to reflect on where we've been, what we've done, what we didn't do, but also to reset ourselves for the coming year. Don't just drift out of one year into another. It's a great opportunity to begin to listen to what God is saying we need to do or to change in. And so you notice here it says, the Lord spoke to me. So relationship with God or hearing from him is the key to living the life of, of God. Coming to meetings and, and being in the place of corporate worship and getting someone preach, there's all help for us. And it's a wonderful help. But we, it never is a substitute for our own relationship with God. When did you last hear God speak to you? When did you last consciously position yourself to be listening to God giving direction? See, as we come out of one year and into another, this is a great time. I know it's a very busy time, but you need to make it a priority. And, and the Bible tells us of two women, Mary and Martha, and uh, Mary was commended because she chose. She made it a priority when God was speaking to listen. She positioned herself to listen. Martha also was there to listen, but she got caught up in all the busyness. In fact, she got so busy that she became stressed and burdened and anxious and weighed down. She started to compare herself with her sister. She started to get negative attitudes to Jesus. And what was really her gifting and calling and serving became a burden for her because she chose not to do what she really needed to do, which was listen for personal input and direction. One word from God can change a whole section in your life. It's just so amazing what God can do. Word, because it's not a word from just any person. You know, a lot of people have got a lot to say, but you know, the Bible says, Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Who has marked his words? Okay? And so, the first thing, I, uh, I want to encourage you to listen. Position yourself to hear God speak. It means you've got to get alone a little bit, and you've got to still down, quiet down. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 46, 10, Be still and know that I'm God. So, we still our heart. We just take a little time to be quiet, and often there's a lot of noise in our heart. We find you know, we have all these things we keep thinking about. Just take time to just wind down and listen to God speak. And ask him about the year. Ask him about your marriage. Ask him about your life. Ask him about your finances. Ask him about what he wants you to do. Because he'll, he, he can put you in a place where tremendous blessing can come into your life. But it requires we listen to him. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. How does he lead me? Well, he talks and I listen. So what does God say? How many know that God's been trying to get your attention on a matter in the last month? Woo, look at that. This is about most of the church. And the others, he was trying to get your attention. You just haven't been listening. <laughs> so tell someone next to you, listen up. God's trying to get your attention. 
<laughs> right, yeah, yeah, listen up. You know, listen up means give God your, you know, your attention, focused attention. You know, get to talk with them. Okay, so number one, position yourself to hear God speak. And to do that is an attitude of heart. I really want God to talk to me. I'm going to spend time alone. I'm not going to allow the busyness of the season to actually sink my spiritual life. So I end up, and the next thing I hear God say is repent. It's time to repent of your backsliding and come back. I don't want to hear that statement. Well, yeah, God just give me some nice fresh direction. That's fantastic. Okay, Deuteronomy uh, 2 verse 3. You have gone around this mountain long enough. Gone around the mountain long enough. Turn or change. Eh? So the next thing we need to see is we need to be willing to change. And so God makes some statements to us. And that's what he tells them. He, said that this, uh, he says you've gone around the mountain. Actually, how long they've gone around the mountain was 38 years. Now, you imagine going a mountain, around a mountain 38 years. That's a long time to be driving around a mountain, isn't it? I think they probably went around more than once. Hello, there's my foot. I've been here before. You know, how many have noticed experiences in life and the same issue seems to come? You think, God, I've been here before. Different package, but same issue. Well, you've gone around a mountain. He's gone around, you come back again, there it is again. Oh, my goodness, it's back again. And, because, and, it's, and you've come back to the same place because God wants you to change. He's still got the same plan ahead for you, and that is that you overcome that and break through it and expand and grow. So he brings you back around it. So if you have a particular habit, a particular issue in your life, and you fail in it, you come to God again, you repair, and you forgive, and get up and get going again. You know what will happen a, few, a little while later? Whoops, you're around at the same place again. Same pressure's on you again. What are you going to do this time? Crash? Oh, I've been here before. See, so he said, you've gone around the mountain too long. Now, the mountain, specific mountain, this one here, was a mountain that reminded them continually of their failure. In fact, there was a group of people living in that mountain, and they were the ones who actually gave them a thorough whipping, chased them away. And, uh, and the, the Israel was at a point where they were right at the threshold of receiving the promise of God that God had promised Abraham uh, generations before. And when they came to that point, what happened was they refused to go in because of unbelief. And then some said, well, we're going in anyway, and they got chased out of the place. And as a result, basically, that they didn't believe God could do what God said he would do. It's as simple as that. They didn't believe God could heal when he said he could heal. They didn't believe God would deliver when he said he'd deliver. They didn't believe God would provide when he said he'd provide. They just did not believe that God would do what God would, said he was going to do. And as a result of that, they lost their opportunity. They went round and round and round. They were on hold, on a, you know, on a holding pattern in a plane. You're going around and around waiting for the plane to land. I don't want to be the holding pattern spiritually, eh? No holding pattern spiritually. So God said, you've gone around it long enough. And that word to go around means literally to avoid or to make no real progress. Now, we can be progressive in some areas of our life and in other areas we've made no progress whatsoever. And it's, that's the one God's talking to you today about. Not the other bit. Well done for progressing in the other areas. But this is the one area that God wants to get a hold of your life where you haven't been progressing. And he says, turn or literally change Move away from the limitations. And the key for everything in God's kingdom is we have to change. When Jesus announced, listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Miracle, healing, provision, all kinds of things from God. He said, one thing you've got to do, repent or change. See, in other words, we have to make room in our life for the new things God wants to bring to us. 
And if we won't make room, that making room means we change. Change our mentality, change our attitude, change the way we're doing things. We've got to just decide to make change. Now, no one makes the change for you. Change prepares the way for miracles. So God says, tells us to repent. So what area do we need to change? It's got to be specific. So there's no use turning up in an altar call like many do, and uh, not in this church, but I've been to one church. Come up, someone come up the front there and say, what are you here for? I say, I don't know, I'm just here for anything. I say, well, bless you with anything then. Okay, move on. There's nothing's going to happen. You, you don't go anywhere in life doing that. You have to actually be quite specific. So let me ask you some things. Is God speaking about change in your marriage? Is he speaking about change in your finances? Is he speaking about change in your family? Is he speaking about change in a personal habit? Is there some area of bondage he's saying it's time to change? Is there some addiction you've got that God's saying to change? Is there some repeated failure God's saying to change? Is there a mindset of lack and poverty, which if you look at it, has actually been the whole of your life and God's saying to change? See, there's, until you get to know what it is, there will be no change. You know, you, you want to make changes in your house? Well, which room? And then how are you going to change it? What's got to go out and what's got to come in? It's got to get specific. What are you going to do? What change will take place? And so God says, you've gone around it long enough. So there are some things in our lives that God said, you, you've gone around and haven't dealt with this thing. It's a continual failure and a limitation to all the things I want you to come into. Just make some changes. See, in, in uh, Uganda, we spoke to John, and John made changes, and it's been a tremendous release in his life and ministry since that. In Cambodia, we're going to need to address the same kind of thing. Without the changes, they're limited in what they can have. It's as simple as that. You change, and you make room for God to bless you. So you don't just change for the sake of changing. We change because we want to position ourselves for God to move. Second, the third thing is change begins with a decision, and it occurs when you put it into action. Change begins with a decision. You have to make a decision. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy 2 verse 24. Change begins with a decision. Notice there are two statements that he makes in the beginning of verse 24. First statement is, or commands rather, rise up. Rise up. Second one, take your journey. Now I'll just pick up those two statements that he makes there. Very simple commands that he gives. Rise up and take your journey. Rise up. First thing is, before any change takes place, you've got to make a decision, you'll change. You have to commit to a decision. You have to make a commitment of some kind. See, if you've never developed a spiritual life, make a commitment that you're going to do it. You have to start with a decision. You must choose on the inside, I'm going to make the change. That word rise up means literally to rise or to get up out of the place you've settled means literally get up out of the place you settle down. Make a change on the... It's an inner decision to arise out of my current condition. If my marriage is, uh, is failing and there's something wrong, I must arise and deal with this condition. It requires a choice on the inside to stand up and not to remain passive. A person is passive. Let me I'm just look it up. A, pass, a person who's passive feels and suffers, but he doesn't act or resist. A person who is passive feels and suffers things but fails to act or resist, fails to actually do anything. Passive people. It means to accept or receive something without responding or initiating an action. How about that? A passive person. He allows things to flow over him and he just does nothing. Did you realize Adam's passivity was the problem in the fall? 
says Adam was there, but he didn't actually say or do anything. He was a classic passive male who neither spoke nor acted, but allowed it to be, and so it was, and we've all suffered because of it. Amazing situation. He says just two words, Adam was with her. He was with her when all this went on with the devil. And he never stood up, intervened, spoke, exercised his authority. He was passive. Uh, Passivity, there is no place for passivity in the Christian life. Absolutely none. Uh, In many of the uh, Asian countries, and often in India, you find people extremely passive. They have almost like a mindset that, well, you know, it's all up to God, and, and God will do it. It's in God's hands. And with that passivity, they become very religious. And there's absolutely no life, no power in it at all. Because the king of heaven, actually, we have to cooperate with God. So we cannot be passive. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There is something on the inside of exerting and making an effort and pushing through. It's why we, you notice in the the worship and the praise, we stir it, push through, break through apathy, break through indifference. Don't be passive. Don't lie down, do nothing. He'll sit on you. And you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be passive and inactive and going with the crowd. That's what will happen. You'll just end up with the same thing on them or be on you. I don't want to live that way. I don't want my life to follow the course that other people follow. I wanted to follow the one God said it should follow. But to do that, you cannot be passive. You can't rest. You can't lie down and just let life go over you. You have to stand up. There's something required of us. And so God says, rise up, rise up, rise up. Don't just sit and look and put your hands, wring your hands with horror. You can't do that. Take initiative. Take initiative. Take initiative. Take initiative. Nothing in the kingdom of heaven is passive. God saw there's a problem in the earth, and from the moment it happened, he took initiative. You see, when Adam and Eve fell, immediately God started the process of redemption and why. And all through history, he's taken action. He's taken action. He saw a problem. He took an action. We have to be like that. You see something's wrong, take action. Don't moan and complain and be passive. Passive people always complain. See? But we need to be active. So it's a decision. You'll stir yourself up. So I like to be around people that stir me up. Man, it's great to be around people that stir you up. Great to be a stirrer too, isn't it? A stirrer-upper, that is. A good godly stirrer-upper. But, you know, that's what we're called to be, not just to be passive and acquiesce and let... You know something? In the Bible it says this. If someone makes a statement or makes a commitment and you don't speak up, you've as good as agreed to it. In other words, passivity means you come into agreement with whatever's prevailing. No, you've got to do something about it. got to do it the day you hear of it, the moment you hear of it. So, so take action. Notice says, take your journey, rise up, stir yourself up, take up your journey, or take your journey. That means literally pull up the tent pegs and get on the journey. So, of course, they, the people that we were talking here, they don't live in nice fancy homes like we live in Flaxmere and Hastings and Havelock and Napier and all these places. It was nothing like that. It was all in a tent, lived in a tent. So any time God said to move, you had to pull up the tents, pull up the tent pegs, put down the tent, pack it all up, and you're on the way. And if you didn't do that, you're left right out there exposed and vulnerable. So you notice here, it, it means literally pull up the tent pegs or depart from the place you've settled down in. So wherever we've settled in our life, depart from it. Leave it behind as you go out of this year and into next year. Make a change. 
You know, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you know the truth. So he says, you've actually got to take action on what I tell you, then you'll benefit from it and you'll know it worked. But often we're waiting till we know something's going to work before actually stepping out and doing what God says. Let's do what God says. Do what God says. So, he's, so make some changes, see? You can't live your life on good intentions. Well, I meant well. Oh, Jesus, I meant well. And I really didn't mean well. You know, I went to church. I meant well all my life. You know, I'm a good bloke. Meant well. We say, well, what did you do? I know your works. I know what you did. You d- did, did a few things, but most of the time you're fairly passive, inactive. So don't just pray about it. Some people just become, they pray. They pray about everything. I think it's great to pray about everything. But you've got to do something too. See, you can pray about your garden, but it won't really change. You've got to go out and dig the garden over and plant something in it and nurture it. And you can pray about your house too, but it won't get tidy on its own. You've got to go tidy it up, you know. You can pray about a heap of things and God says, no, it's your part. There's a cooperation required here, you know. You work as partners with God. So he's not going to tell you or do for you what he requires you to do yourself. Isn't that right? So... We've got to find a balance in our Christian life of being spiritual, dependent on God, and being thoroughly practical. Okay? We need God's help, his power, his presence, his, his, his direction, but we need to take initiative and do things. See, so take some action. Now, of course, the thing is you find people who took action. I love people who took action in the Bible. I just love them. They're an inspiration. 1 Samuel 14, 6 is Jonathan. And everyone's sitting down. Everyone's defeated. Everyone's complaining about how bad it is. And he says, let's go and show ourselves to the enemy and see what God might do. And the other guy said, I'm a bear, said, go with it. I'm with you. So they took half the armory, one sword. They went out. And they just positioned themselves where they could see if God was going to do anything or not. I think this year is a year of putting yourself out and seeing what God will do. Well, I want to wait to see God do something. Go and position yourself for something to happen. And this, but they weren't foolish on it. He said, now listen, if the, army, if the army up there tell us, come on up, we've nailed them. God's with us. If they come down to us, well, we'll see what we'll do then. So he, he just let God, let, he was open to the Holy Spirit, but he did step out and start the journey. And, and the guys yelled out to him and said, oh, these little weasels down there, hey, you come out of your holes and your foxholes. Say, oh, come on up here and see what a real army's like. He said, oh, oh, I've got them. They've got to realize they've got one sword between them. Everyone else is defeated, sitting under a tree, and the army outnumbers them completely up the top. And he climbs up there, and as he begins, God starts to do something. And they got so confused, they fought one another. In the end, there was a major turnaround. All the, all the passive people, you know, you know what the first thing the passive people wanted to do? You can't believe what they wanted to do. They said, let's pray about it. Pray about it. When God's already moving, get in and do something about it. Be part of the answer. And so they got up and uh, they all got involved. Tremendous victory. Peter, he's had a whole night out and he's absolutely failed in his fishing. God said, Jesus says to him, get out there and put your net on the other side, which is an insult to a fisherman. Tell you, put your net on the other side. He said, nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. He went out and acted on what God said, got the catch of his lifetime, and he was out of fishing and he was into ministry after that. See, so action. God wants to do action, okay? So God takes some initiative. Okay, here's the next thing. God develop a vision for change. Know what he said next? Verse 24, behold, I've given you the land of Sihon, the Amorite, the king of the Heshbon, into your hand. Behold, that word behold, get a vision, get a vision, get a vision, get a vision of what the change will look like. 
You don't sort of, when you're going to do up a room, you don't sort of, you know, go in there and grab any old paint and start to paint the room. You actually get a picture of what it could look like. And, uh, you know, we're getting some developments done around the front there. And, and Steve's going to present me this week with a, with a picture of what the changes could look like. Well, look at that. So, oh, yeah, I like, that's a preferred future. That's vision. We see what next year will look like. That's what we prefer. So vision is about looking into the future, seeing ahead where you want to be and see what God's saying to you and beginning to picture it. Now, how you get vision in your heart is through meditation in the Word of God, listening to the voice of God, then beginning to picture it and see it like it'll be and see it, see it, see it, see it, see it, the change. See, a lot of you still see yourself the way you were 20, 30 years ago. You're still, you're born again, you've got a new opportunity, but you're still seeing yourself poor, seeing yourself lacking, seeing yourself inadequate. You can't, you've got to change how you see. Vision is one of the most important things, to be able to see ourselves as God sees us. To see ourselves doing what God says he wants us to do. To see God's power working in our life. Oh, we need a vision of it. So he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to see your enemy defeated. You see, what they looked at is as a land, and it's ruled over by a cruel army, which in history had given them a hiding. So their last and only thoughts about uh, Sihon and the Amorites was these are the guys who gave us a licking. And God says, see. What does he want them to see? See, I have already delivered them to you. Legally, it's in your hands. I've handed them over to you. They haven't got a defense. It doesn't look like it to me. It looks like they're all carrying weapons. No, I want you to see it in the spirit. I want you to get faith. Faith sees the future as God says. So what are you seeing for this year? What you'll be experiencing now probably is what you saw at the beginning or end of last year. See, we need to see. See what God's saying. So God's saying about the community, saying... Step into the community in a greater way. Starting to say, get involved. Find ways into the hearts of people. We need to see it. If you've got a personal issue in your life, you need to see yourself free of that issue, whatever it is. See it. Develop a vision in it. See? Notice he says here, Sihon, the Amorite, the king of Heshbon. Sihon is the stormy one. This is the one who creates storms in your life. Now, he's the king of Heshbon. Uh, that word Heshbon means literally devices or reasonings or mindsets. So the devil, who is the one who creates storms in your life, works through mindsets, beliefs. When you believe a lie, then he has access to your life to empower that lie. When you believe wrong things about yourself, he has access to you to oppress you. So a lot of getting free is to actually see that the devil has been defeated by Jesus, that whatever opposition there is to the kingdom of God going forward, we need to see it coming down. Before we see it, notice what God said to Joshua when he, when he showed him the city of Jericho. He said, see, I've given it into your hand. Now, you've got to realize we're talking about a huge walled uh, city, probably the, the biggest stronghold in the whole of that area of land. And there it is. And he says, see it, it's yours. You've got to see it before you possess it. Because seeing brings belief. Notice the next thing is uh, the change will require conflict or change will create conflict or change will generate conflict. Begin to possess it and contend with it in battle. So inevitably, if there's going to be changes in your life, there'll be two areas of conflict. One is natural and the other is spiritual. Naturally, there is a conflict over change because simply everyone wants to live in the comfort zone. You just want to live in the comfort zone. You want to get, you want to get fit? I tell you, you've got to get out of that comfort zone. 
and it'll be uncomfortable getting out of the comfort zone. You know, no one likes anything new. So old things are more comfortable. We're actually, would you believe this? We are more comfortable with our old bondages than we are in stepping out into the freedom Jesus has given us. And, and, and we're so comfortable, we would sort of wear them and continue, even though we know that we're limited by them. I love old shoes. I like the old ones. They all these smileys. They turn up and they crinkle across the middle and they, they're very comfortable on the feet. To get into new ones is uncomfortable. But you have to do it. And then once you walked in them a while, they become comfortable. So the first thing is breaking out of your comfort zone, breaking out of the zone of comfort. The zone of comfort is a place where you feel at rest, feel at ease, and there's no stretch of faith to get into the uncomfortable zone. See, next week, you know, I mean, it could be disaster on Friday night. It could really pour with rain. I'm believing God give us a night to remember. God give us a great Hawks Bay night. God, move on us. Let's believe God. Let's stretch out. Don't worry about the possibility of failure. We believe in the best, the best to come. See? So you know, we've got to think this way. So, conflict. second area of conflict is spiritual. There is always a spiritual resistance to any personal change. And the Bible says that's why it uses this term, the stormy one who works in our mindsets. The devil does resist our changing. Now, the devil himself doesn't do it. He's not interested in you. You're, you're small fry. He sends just little demons along to torment you and trouble you and just hold you to your addiction, your smokes, your whatever it is, trying to hold you back there to wherever the thing is you're held back in. And so actually you have to contend. So when we begin to pray, when we begin to meditate in the Word of God, when you begin to stand against an area of your life or an area where there has been a problem, it, there will be a struggle for a while. When you decide, I'm going to change, and you begin to put the change into action, there will be some spiritual conflict follows that, which means it seems like it got worse. You feel disheartened, discouraged. You have all kinds of feelings come over you, and you feel like giving up, feeling like quitting. But if you just will contend and stay with the vision God showed you, you will break through. You will break through. Lynn broke through in India. Got a great breakthrough in India because she saw it in the spirit and then wouldn't yield when the pressure, I could just imagine what that pressure would be like. All those Indian men on one side, the women on the other side, all heads covered, all oppressed. The men over there all judgmental, looking at her, glaring at her, trying to make up their mind whether they even come back to mind. I can imagine what that would be like. And then having to stand up in the side of, in the face of that in an unfamiliar place, unfamiliar heat, smells, sounds, everything unfamiliar, and to try and maintain a, a confidence in God to come through. That, that takes a lot to do that. But that's what it requires. That's what it requires. Because all the time there would be this pressure to try and shut you down and shut you up and get you out of there and send you home. And you feel it. You have it in your thoughts. You have it in your body. You have it in your soul. And you, you just want to get out. Like you can't believe. See, so all change, there's a conflict goes on, and a, but it doesn't last. All you've got to do is stick it out and last out longer than the devil. Having done all, stand. And when you've done that, God comes through. That's great. See, and there it is. And here as we finish in the last one here. And Sihon came out, verse 32, all his people to fight a Jahaz. And look at this. And the Lord our God delivered him into our hands. Just like God said. See, I've given him to you, and God delivered him. Now, God delivered it. What did he do? I don't know. It doesn't say quite how to, but it says, we struck him down. So that meant they had a fight. So they, so they came out, and they had a ding-dong of a fight. And when it was all over, the goodies won, and the baddies lost. God's people got their promise. It says, there was not, in verse 36, there's not one city too strong for us. The Lord delivered the whole lot to us. So the last thing we see then is when we're obedient in faith, 
then it releases the supernatural. So you notice what they had to do. First of all, they had to make a decision. They had to be specific about the decision. They had to convert it into a plan. They had to stir up and begin to take some steps. They had to develop a vision of it happening. And then as they entered in and fought the battle, God gave them a victory. Listen, it's like that for every one of us. Everyone, no exceptions. God wants to give the victory, but there's some steps before it. No victory without a conflict. No souls won without a battle. You've got loved ones that won't come to Christ and you're discouraged as hard. Oh, you're in the battle lines and you've got your shield there and you've got your sword there and you're just getting a great licking and you feel like throwing it all down and running away. That son, that daughter, that spouse just looks so hard. It looks like they'll never come through. Listen, someone prayed and you came through. So you keep praying. Don't you quit. Don't you, know, don't you quit and run away from the battle. Stand up and believe that you'll see friends saved. You'll see loved ones saved. Don't quit when that, that doubt all comes around or they, they scoff and mo- You don't know the day they scoff at you whether they just the last of their resistance has come out. We just don't know. But don't give up. Don't give up while there's breath in your body. Don't give up for your sons and daughters. Don't give up for your loved ones. Don't give up for your friends. Don't give up till we see our friends come to Christ. Till we see influence extended into the community through every member of Bay City. You say amen. Say amen. Come on. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your word to us is rise up. Take your journey. Stop going around. Some of these mountains begin to start to move forward and possess the promises you've given to us. Promises in our city. Promises in our region. Promises in our finances. Promises in the marriage. Promises with our family. Promises in our personal life. Promises in our community. My God, we just stand up today in our heart and say, God, we're choosing to change. Give us a strategy. Show us how to work this thing out. Show us the steps we need to take and Lord will push through and begin to contend until we see change in the coming year and Jesus will give you all the honor and all the glory and everyone said Amen. Amen